This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Revelation as we continue our study here on Wednesday evenings in an expository way, verse by verse. And I pray that uh, you are enjoying this as much as I am. And uh, it's been quite some time, 25, maybe years plus, since I actually taught this book. And I am learning to be refreshed in it as well. And uh, when you um, are not in uh, such complicated scriptures for a while, it does take a rhythm to get back into it and certainly a dependency on the Lord. And so uh, that's where we are with this right now. And tonight I've got, got a host of scriptures for you, and uh, I hope that you have something to write on because uh, there'll be uh, lots of uh, cross-referencing this evening, uh, I'm quite sure. All right, so let's get right to it. And Revelation chapter 5, and I want to pick up tonight uh, with verse number 8. Again, I remind you as we look into... Um, a book like this, it, it does take a lot of uh, determination to stay focused and uh, to try to be that spiritual sponge and soak it up uh, as God brings things to your heart. All right. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors. Look at this is interesting. Which are the prayers of the saints. I want you to think about this tonight. Okay. So look at this carefully. Verse number 8. The four beasts... Four and twenty elders, four angelic creatures, and the Bible talks about the four and twenty elders, which is the church. As we see this scripture unfolding, every entity that's mentioned in this verse, you see them here in scripture. They're all falling down and they're praising and they're worshiping the Lord. Now, not, not only in a vocal way. But I, I want you to see this. If we look at it carefully, the Bible says that every one of them had harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. So the thought here in this passage is that as, as the praise is unfolding, it's not only... Uh, a melody with words, but it's also instruments as well. Now, the four and twenty elders, according to the scripture here, they also have golden vials full of odors. And uh, this is unusual because I don't believe that God lets any of our prayers go to waste, none of them. And the scripture says that they are, they are contained in heaven. They are bottled up. And uh, this full of odors, it is the prayers of the saints. It's sort of like, it's, it's a sweet 
smelling savor. It's an incense, a fragrance to God. When we pray, that's, that's what it is. The odors, uh, which are the prayers of the saints. So picture this in your mind, if you will, because as you see a complicated verse unfolding with four entities here, there's a lot of praising going on. And the prayers are like sweet-smelling, it's like a sweet-smelling savor going up to the Lord. And uh, the Word calls it the prayers of the saints. Now, that's that's important. Uh, there's a passage of Scripture, by the way, in Psalms chapter 141 and verse number 2. We'll take a look at that. The Scripture says, Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. So we find in the Psalms and we find here that our prayers are likened to incense that goes up before the Lord. This is well-pleasing to him. He takes great pleasure with that. And so the scripture is talking about the aromic fragrance of the prayers of God's people. And I do not believe that any of our praise, our prayers are like a vapor. You know, James says that life is like a vapor. It appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. I don't believe that that's the way that it works with our prayers. I I believe because the Bible says that they're stored up. Every one of them, the scripture says, as the odors, the fragrance goes up to the Lord, which are the prayers of the saints. I don't believe that God allows them just to disintegrate. God is inhabiting our praise. We'll talk about that in just a moment. He's inhabiting our prayers. And uh, it's not like a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes away. Uh, I believe that God stores up our prayers. I really do. And the scripture says they are for his glory, which are the prayers of the saints. Now, let me, I want to elaborate on something here just for a minute. As, as we talk about these prayers going up, this praise, this, this worship thing that's happening in verse number eight. Um, there, there are several dynamics. There are several aspects of our gathering especially on Sunday morning. You know when Rhea comes out here to lead us in what is called praise and worship. It's a very important aspect. The service from start to finish has several important aspects to it. Um, You know that there is, I will say this, probably one of the most disrespected aspects of our Sunday morning service. And this grieves me. I have mentioned it a few times, and you know what I'm talking about, perhaps. But the service contains several important elements. One of the most disrespected elements of our Sunday morning service is the invitation. And I will t- and, and this is the message. I think God gets this message. I It's the message coming back to me. But when we come to the close of the sermon and 
we're calling for the musicians to come out and we're preparing our hearts now after we have heard the word and and we are now going into the final element or the final stage of the service and just take notice sometime because when we say these words every head bowed and every eye closed You'd be surprised how many people hitting these doors and going out. And you, you know what the message is? I, I cannot interpret on behalf of the Holy Spirit. But the message that I get out of, out of that after the sermon, I mean, we've, we've sat through the singing. We've, we've, mingled and fellowshiped and we have shaken hands and we have hugged the necks of the brethren and we have enjoyed the music and we've done all of this stuff. And then, to me, it's just me. And maybe it's a pastoral thing. Maybe it's something that I will never be able to comprehend from, from this perspective, from the pulpit. But it's almost a message like I don't need this. I, it's sort of like the message where where people are saying, you know, because what? How can how can it be important? How can we pray for one? You know, when we have the invitation, let me tell you this: I would love to see our church get to the place, and I'll explain this in just a minute. Those of you that are watching at home, this is important. I want you to stay with me. I would love to say at my age and our church age, I would love to see our church get to the place where when we give the invitation, that we really start interceding for people standing or sitting next to us. And sometimes it wouldn't hurt for us to come and find a place to pray and pray for them. It's been a long time, I think, since some have been to the to the altar. But let me say this. I, I believe also if if a person is under conviction of the Holy Spirit, really conviction, they're standing there at this pew and we're entering into this song of invitation, whatever it may be. And and somebody's doing a spiritual struggle, going through a spiritual struggle. And they want to come so bad. And, and they're, they're even, maybe even sweating bullets in their heart. And they, they want to come so bad. But they look down here and they say, if I go down there, I'm going to make a fool of myself. I'm the only one in here. I don't want people to think my life is so filled with sin that, that I, I'm the only reprobate in the house. And, but you know what? Sometimes I think that we have said amen too quick and we have gone home when somebody really truly wanted to come. Or some of us know people in our family who may not be saved. And, and we can pray for them right where we're at. You, when we stand and sing the invitation... You can, you can stand there and you can mention their name to the Lord and 
But, but I wonder if it would make a difference. I don't know if it would make a difference in our life or if it would make a difference in the intercession. If we really came down here in the, in the spirit of reverence. Years ago when I was growing up, people dropped salty tears on the altar every time the door was open. I grew up in a church where people were surrendering to the ministry left and right. Surrendering to the ministry. After the invitation, sometimes preachers couldn't even preach. The Spirit of God was like the Shekinah glory cloud just hovering over the seat. And it was on top of the people. It couldn't preach. People just started testifying. And then people would come and weep. I'm, I'm talking about real, real tears. Weep. I've been in services like that, few and far between now, though, in my old age. But I think, really, truly, I believe the most disrespected time of our gathering is that invitation. I don't know what, be first out of the parking lot, be first at the restaurant, meet somebody for lunch. I, I don't know what all of this activity is, but it sure happens more so than I'd like to see. My prayer is that when we close the service out, that we give honor and reverence to God. And we, we spend time praying. So the invitation, and I just felt like that that needed to be said because there's several aspects of our time. When she comes out here to lead us in what we call praise and worship, you may not have thought about this before, but there is a distinct difference between praise and worship. All throughout the Bible, we're told to praise the Lord. The, the, the command to praise the Lord is all throughout the Scripture, given even to angels, the heavenly host. Let me give you a couple of Scriptures real because I want to talk about this element of praise and worship. That's why I'm incorporating this thing of the invitation on there. I preached a message a long time ago. I have it somewhere in my office, and it's called the invitation. And I can remember like it was yesterday preaching that sermon and going through um, how important it is. We close our Bibles, and now we're, we're ready to do business with God. But this praise thing and this worship thing, sure, there's the preaching, there's the fellowship, there's the singing, there's the teaching in our gathering. And there ought to be real genuine praise and worship. Genuine. So let me give you a couple of scriptures, and I want to talk about praise first. That's why I said I hope you have something to write with. Because what we're talking about in verse number 8 is exactly, there's a lot of praise and worship going on in heaven at the time of this verse. Psalms 89, verse number 5. And the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord, thy faithfulness also in the congregation of the saints. In Psalms 103, verse number 20. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. And in Psalms 148, in verse number 2. Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, 
all his host. And so for sure, angels are in this component of praise here in verse number eight. And and not only is the instruction given to the angels, but really all the inhabitants of the earth, all of us. In Psalms 138, verse number four, the Bible says, all the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. And in Romans 15, verse number 11, the Bible says, again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, law to him, all ye people. And so let me tell you, various ways that we give praise to the Lord. And I want to bring a contrast to the difference between praise and worship. We can praise the Lord with singing, and we do that. This is a singing church, and that's, I think, so meaningful to me, and that's why music is so important to me. But in Isaiah chapter 12 and verse number 5, The word says, sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all of the earth. And in Psalms 9, verse number 11, the Bible says this. In Psalms 9, verse number 11, sing praises to the Lord, which dwelleth in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. Okay, so... I'm going to give you various aspects of this thing of of praising. We praise the Lord with singing. Secondly, we praise the Lord with shouting. That's almost uh, prehistoric. That's almost gone with the wind. Years ago, when I'd get to preaching, and, and this, I've never forgot it. She's in heaven today. We had a real petite, small woman that sat not too far behind where Sister Catherine sits tonight. Annie Duggar was her name. I don't know if you were, some of you here tonight remember Annie Duggar, but when I get to preaching sometimes, it was almost like, she and I were the only ones in the building. It's Sunday morning. Only I and she were the only ones in the building. She'd get out there in the middle of the aisle. And she'd just have herself a spell. And she wasn't speaking stuff that nobody could understand. And there's not, listen, God's not the author of confusion. But she'd get out there in that aisle and she'd throw her hands up. She didn't weigh 90 pounds soaking wet. She'd get out there in that aisle and with tears, she'd just lift up her hands and she'd do, I, I want to call it, I, this was long before the moonwalk and, and all of those other things. This, this was a holy dance. She'd get out there and this is what she'd say. Until she was done. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And she'd lift her voice to the rafters. If God can be, listen, if, if we hold our praise, scriptures say that even the stones would cry out. But we don't do a lot of shouting anymore because we don't want people to think we're too fanatical. 
But I will tell you this, if God gets on it and God is in it, we can understand it. Let it rip. Let God have it. If we hold our peace, the word says the stones will cry out. So we can praise God in the singing. Now, somebody got the shouting around here. We, by the way, we just, we just purchased two fibrillators. We, 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 God is my witness. We truly have. We haven't installed them yet, but we have one that's going in the church. We got one that's going in the family life center. We have just certified 10 people in our church with CPR. So if somebody goes a shouting and somebody wants to just fall out on the floor, listen, we got something to bring you back. <laughs> Certified, bring you back. We can praise the Lord with, with singing. We can praise the Lord with shouting. Wouldn't that be something if the church got the shout back? If the church got the shout back. Wow. And as I mentioned, we can praise the Lord with, as Sister Annie did. I, I'm sure she's, she's holy dancing in heaven. In Psalms 150, verse number four, the Bible says this, praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with string instruments and organs. Praise him with the musical instruments. Let me, let me show you these verses. I hope you're writing this down. In 1 Chronicles chapter 13 and verse number 8, and David and all of Israel played before God with all their might and with singing and with harps and psalteries and timbrels and with cymbals and trumpets. You know, I, I grew up in, in this old-fashioned shouting church. It had a lot of good things and it had a lot of bad things to it. It taught me a lot. I came out of legalism a long time ago. And, and they, they, they would swear. They didn't swear, but they would swear that, that drums were of the devil. And I'm telling you right now, it, as, as long as I've been in gospel music, there's some that just believe that if you sing with a microphone, you are imitating a nightclub setting. If you use drums that you were pounding demons in, in the house of God. I grew up in all of that stuff. When Gail and I got married, we were just 18 years old. And we didn't know anything. But we knew enough to know that, that we had enough of that. And we decided we weren't going to get, we weren't going to live our lives and caught up in legalism. We weren't going to live our lives shackled down with uh, that kind of stuff. We weren't going to raise our children. And that kind of environment. And so, uh, we, God set us free. I've enjoyed being free. And yeah, so the, the scripture is, is, how can you argue with this? This is scripture. And the Bible says this in Psalms 108, verse 2. Awake, psaltery and harp, I myself will awake early. In Psalms 150, verse 3 through 5, praise him with the sound of the trumpet, praise him with the psaltery and harp. 
Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Danny. Amen. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. And so we're talking about praising him now. And the reason why we're talking about all this, because verse eight is just about this. You can't, you can't run over a verse like that and not bring this out. And we can praise him with the clapping of hands. And we do that often around here. And the scripture says this in Psalms 47, verse number one. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Everything that we've talked about, how we can praise the Lord, is scripture. It's in the word. You, you're reading this yourself here. Is, is scripture. And so praise, listen carefully. Praise is the joyful recounting of all that God has done for us. And the truth of the matter is we can praise God for anything. He's worthy of our praise. Psalms 18.3 says this, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. All right. But listen. Worship. And and when we have this segment in our service, and we call it praise and worship, but there is a distinction between praise and worship. And this is this is a perfect opportunity for me to talk about it. Worship comes from a different place within our spirit than praise. Worship, now I'm talking about real, genuine worship. It comes from a, a, a deep, humble place within our ourselves before God. When we are totally surrendering ourselves to his control, where we adore him for, for who he is, and not just for what he has done. Let me say that again. Where we worship is where we adore him for who he is and not just for what he has done. Can you get the difference there? It's one thing to praise God for what he's done, but it's another thing to worship him for who he is. If I could give you one thing to meditate on the rest of the week, it would be that to chew on. Usually in scripture, praise is presented as, 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 as boisterous and loud and, and, uh, cheerful and with expression. In Luke 1940, again, I've, I've already made reference to this, but I want to give you the scripture for which I referenced. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Most of the time when the Bible mentions worship, it's like the, it's like the tone changes altogether in scripture, altogether 
In Psalms 95 and verse number six, the word says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And in Psalms 96 and verse number nine, Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Fear before him all the earth. And so worship in scripture usually demonstrates humility and contrition. A couple of more scriptures here. Our time is gone. I have to close with this. But I don't know if you're getting what I'm getting out of this. This is powerful. In Second Chronicles chapter 29, in verse number 28, And all the congregation worshipped, and the singers sang. The trumpeters sounded, and all this continued until the burnt offering was finished. Now think about having a time of worship like that. In Hebrews 11.21, By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. And lastly, Revelation chapter 19 and verse number 10. We'll pick this up way down the highway somewhere. And John said, I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, see thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren, the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so it's through worship that we invite the Holy Spirit. Listen now, what I'm about to tell you applies to the invitation as well as the whole time that we open the scriptures and get into the word. It's through worship that we invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to convict us. To comfort us. Now let me ask you the question and I will close. How can we ask the whole, listen, after the, after the singing and the praise and the word, how can we ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us? To convict us and to comfort us when we're running out of these doors. You see what I'm talking about? It's impossible. I think when we bow our heads and we say, at the close of the sermon, every head bowed and every eye closed, I think probably one of the first things that all of us need to be worshiping with is Holy Spirit, Speak to me. I wonder how many people God would call to the mission field. How many people would, would God call to a place of surrender? If, if we got in tune with this thing, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Every single day when my feet hit the floor, one of the things that I, I humbly cry to God for, God, give me wisdom for this day. A lot of times during my day, you may not know this, 
But there are several people in here that can testify to it. I need the wisdom of Solomon. And I, and I know that's a probability. Sometimes when I walk in that door early in the morning, it's like a revolving door. But when my feet hit the floor early in the morning, I'm saying, God, give me wisdom. You've said in your word, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And I cry out to God for wisdom. I wonder what difference it would make in our lives if we did that, but also what difference would it make in our lives if when we, we got to the place of the invitation and we're standing there saying in the awe of the moment, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Wouldn't that, I mean, just, just the thought of that. So I want to encourage you with something. Because I do believe that there are times in our gathering when people come and there are people that want to come forward. They're, they desperately, they desperately want to come. They want to, I, I always make mention of this. If you want to find a place to pray by yourself or you want somebody to pray with you, you hear me all the time saying there's somebody here ready to, to pray with you. I'm, I'm just wondering. I envision this of really allowing, truly allowing the Spirit of God to work among us. To, to actually work in our hearts and our lives. Well, I don't know what else to say. That's, that's powerful. Verse number 8 is incredible. So I hope tonight what we've learned, class, is this. How important the invitation is, set that apart for a moment. But how distinctively different praise and worship really are. That's so important. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.